You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms. Now, Savage has come out with a new model, and that model is the 110 Ultralight. At under six pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory blueprinted Savage 110 action. This comes in a variety of calibers. It has a gray AccuFinish stock with adjustable comb height. This is an awesome rifle, and uh, basically Savage is at it again. These guys have done amazing things in the past, and now they're doing amazing things in the future. If you want to find out more information about the 110 Ultralight, visit SavageArms.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. Today, we have a really cool episode. Uh, We are with returning guest John Hudspeth of Oklahoma. And the last three years, John has absolutely destroyed the whitetails. I mean, he... He has been very successful in the woods, not only killing two bucks, two great bucks in one year, but having his best season to date in that three-year period. But then 2019 hits, and he self-admittedly got a little bit cocky, and he went into the season thinking he had it, you know, had a a big buck on a string, and that wasn't the case. Uh, With a little bit of bad luck mixed with a little bit of ill planning, uh, he struck out in 2019 and uh, did not get his hitless buck on the ground. And today he tells that story. And I think this is a good story because I've had times in the past where um, I got lazy, maybe. And John doesn't necessarily get lazy in this episode. But in the past, I, I'll, I'll admit it, I've been lazy. I have uh, walked into the timber thinking I was the best hunter in the world. And the whitetail, as we all know, have a funny way of humbling us really quickly and uh, making us feel like we've never even picked up a bow before. So uh, we have a really good conversation about the planning, the preparation, the failure, and uh, a whole bunch of good things on this episode. But before we get into the episode, as you all know, I got to do a commercial. And today we are talking about Vortex Optics, man. Let's see. They got a new rangefinder out. First off, you need to check that out, right? Their binos are sick, man. I've uh, they and they have a variety of options for the binoculars, right? They have um, price points for everybody, magnifications for e- everybody, and that goes into rifle scopes, red dots, and even their spotting scopes. They have 
price points for everybody, high quality along the board. And it's a company that, like I, I say every single time, man, they are participants within the market, meaning they're hunters, they're outdoorsmen, they love to shoot guns, and their products benefit from that. The company benefits from that. And a long roundabout way, you benefit from that, right? You call them up, you say, I have a problem. They will take care of it for you. You break a product, you send it in, they fix it for you for free, by the way. So if you want to find out more information about Vortex Optics and all the different uh, optics these guys carry, visit vortexoptics.com. And the commercial's done. So let's just get right into today's. I don't know. I don't even know what to call this. We're, we'll just call it a the opposite of a hunter success story, but it, it we still learn something from it, right? So let's just get right into it. Three, two, one. All right, returning guest, Mr. John. How you doing, man? Doing well. Doing well. Just sitting here in my man room and ready to talk about deer. Amen. So let's talk about this for a second. Say your last name because. I forgot how to pronounce it. <laughs> That's okay. It's a tough one. It's Hudspeth. It's, Hudspeth. It's, uh, actually pronounced just how it's spelled, but it's still a challenge. Okay. Well, I'm I am officially challenged. So even the <laughs> even the simplest things, whether it's saying a name or other duties in life, tend to be a little bit more difficult for someone like me. Uh, that's all right. That's all right. All right. So today. Um, I want to talk, uh, you sent me an email and you're like, Hey man, I got a, I got a podcast idea for you. And, uh, it's basically you saying how the last couple, what was it? This past season just kind of sucked mm-hmm. from you, yep. you never being able to connect. Correct. Mm-hmm. All right. Exactly. All right. So, um, I, I want to talk, I want to get into that for sure. But before we get into that, I want to, you know, just BS for a little bit about what you, mm-hmm. what, what's going on. You, uh, mm-hmm. you're a rancher, right? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. How full-time. many full, that's your full-time job. Yep. Okay. How many, uh, how many head are you running right now? Uh, we run about 500 mama cows. Okay. So if you count, you know, bulls, calves and everything else, it's more than that um but uh it's my brother and i full-time and then my dad is kind of a extra weekend warrior he uh he works at a family business another family business we have uh kind of monday tuesday wednesday and then comes up where he really wants to be and hangs out with us the rest of the week gotcha gotcha so he does he does his i mean just ranching sounds like fun right okay so i (laughs) i don't know if so I, I'm not going to say my my grandfathers were ranchers, but they had cattle, they had hogs, you know, nowhere near to 500 head, and then they had uh, ag acres that they, you know, mm-hmm. the the typical soybeans and corn rotation. So, um, is your life anything like the television show Yellowstone with Kevin Costner? <laughs> not quite. Okay, uh, we don't have quite the beautiful scenery. Um, we don't have to deal with quite as many uh, tourists, you know, running around our place. Luckily, no <laughs> um, grizzly bears. But, uh, no grizzly bears. No, luckily not. Um, that was a sweet show. I yeah. wasn't that. But, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say our life is quite that exciting. Uh, we don't have a helicopter. Okay. Um, you know, maybe someday. But uh, 
but uh yeah it's i mean it's it's a lot of work um it's you know some days are funner than others um part of it kind of i would say depends on the time of year you know winter is not as fun very monotonous you're basically just feeding all day every day uh you know christmas day thanksgiving day um but then other times of the year like right now we're you know quote in our slow time uh you know the grass is starting to grow so we're not having to uh you know meticulously move everything and feed everything quite as much and get you a little more downtime and you kind of do start doing those odd and end projects right uh you know spraying weeds and fixing fences and stuff like that so gotcha so it kind of goes uh in spurts yeah. but uh but yeah overall uh you know we love it so well, i'll be honest with you man i think it would be there there's a part of me who my grandpa actually he tried talking me in to taking over not necessarily taking over the family farm mm-hmm. but working it to see if i would like it he's like yeah you know i was in college and i was just like man i do not like this and he's like well mm-hmm. if uh you want to help me out maybe we could cash rent sh- some more acres and and do the whole thing and you can help me out and uh I I said no at that time, but I kind of wish that I did do it. Now there's a little yeah. part of me that, you know, farming's no joke, man. You like mm-hmm. I'm sure you know you're on call twenty four seven. That's right. Yep. So, and I I've had I had a little bit of that in my life. So I uh, my dad was born and raised in the cattle business. They had a, a sale barn growing up. Uh, his brother uh, is in it. And, uh, but I actually, I went to school and, uh, started working for him in our other business. Yeah. Uh, and my brother was in the army. And then when my brother got out of the army and moved back, he's actually the one that when we had ranched when we were younger and gotten out of it, and he was actually the one that wanted to get us back into it. And I came in a little, a little more just like with the mindset of, I'm just going to help him get started and probably leave and then kind of fell in love with it and just the freedom. And it's a whole different kind of stress. You know, yeah. it's uh, it's very physically demanding, but it's not. Uh, I have a boss hanging over my head with a deadline. I gotta get type of stress. Right, you know? right. So, um, my I got distant family that they lived in Nebraska, and they lived north of Ogallala in Arthur County, mm-hmm. Nebraska. And uh, I went out there one year to do some whitetail and mule deer hunting. It was in 2014, and I got to listen to my grandpa's cousin talk about basically from the start all the way to, you know, how his dad came out there and uh, the Mm -hmm. state of Nebraska gave him land to work, you know, so they could collect taxes on it and how it was this gigantic cattle operation and how they would do these these 45-mile, it was probably 45 or 50-mile cattle drives once a Mm -hmm. year to the train station in Ogallala and they would just, Mm -hmm. they would drive their cattle there and put them on trains and away they went. I think they probably went to Denver Mm -hmm. to get slaughtered, but, um, but yeah, very, very interesting for sure. So with, with that, we we have a, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, we kind of have cool stories like that on both sides. Uh, on my mom's side, my grandma still has her family certificate from the Oklahoma land rush. Oh wow! Um, and that's when they moved out here. Uh huh. And then on my dad's side, uh, there's a little small town called Valley View, Texas, uh, about 45 minutes to an hour north of Dallas Fort Worth. And there are, I believe, four or five generations of our family in that cemetery. 
Oh, cool. uh, they they actually helped settle that town, and and that's where that's where I was born. Actually, we moved away since, but um, so yeah, we've we have pretty deep roots around here. Uh, that's awesome, man. Um, let's see. So now you are you're a full time rancher. So mm-hmm. with that said, come the fall, is there a lot of time to hunt, or is there just a little bit of time to hunt? It uh. The biggest advantage I would say I have is not necessarily getting to hunt more, um, but when I get to hunt. Uh, you know, my brother and I are pretty good. He he hunts some, but I definitely hunt a lot more. And, you know, we're pretty good at checking ahead. And let's say, you know, Wednesday that there's a, a cold front coming through. You know, I'll talk to him Monday and be like, hey, what do I need to do, you know, today and tomorrow so that I can, you know, hunt a half day wednesday yeah um and so not necessarily getting to hunt more but getting to hunt better times i would say is the biggest advantage to it right and you live close to all your hunting areas because you work the land there right so it's not like you have to travel a long distance to get to your Mm -hmm. hunting properties right so we have uh we have two places and uh i live right in between them so it's about 20 minutes each way so yeah not a not a problem at all to get out there for a morning hunt or evening hunt yeah yeah okay so um i was flipping through trail cameras the other day and i had let's see it was december 26th it was 23rd Mm -hmm. he came this buck came through and a 26th this buck came through. So I had six trail camera pictures of this deer all year round, but he came Mm -hmm. through two times. Uh, and that was it on the property, but he was a magnum. I mean, this buck was Mm -hmm. gigantic, obviously over four. You just, you can tell. And, uh, he probably, he had this, he was a typical 10 with a split G2 on one of the, on one of the sides. So I'm guessing he was about 170, 175 ish, just a gigantic, Mm -hmm. beautiful buck. But he does, he, he only came through twice. Do you have any deer or do you have examples where you'll catch a trail camera pick of a giant come through, but you never see him? It's just like one, one or two scenarios like that a year. Well, we do. Uh, it's most evident, uh, on my brother's place. Um, it, that's where the majority of our cows are and, uh, it's total, it's a thousand acres, um, but 800 of that is strictly cows, Bermuda grass, kind of a, a white-tailed desert. Yeah. Um, but there's some land in the back. There's about 200 acres in the back. We call it the back, just, you know, furthest from the road. Um, the, the terrain just kind of makes it not great for cows. Um, but it's mostly cleared. Uh, I, I believe the previous owner cleared it completely in 2008. And it's just now starting to kind of grow back up. And uh, But surrounding it is thick timber and you know awesome deer habitat and it's very frustrating because yeah i've uh i have a picture of a a typical 10 point that probably would be pushing 180 as a straight 10 yeah i mean just wide tall everything uh, you know i have i've yeah but i think i got two pictures of them and you know i think one was at night and one was right after dark in november you know rut type situation yeah um and then over on my dad's place we're right along the red river and so uh, I had a picture several years ago of a buck that I, I was just drooling over, and my uh, our neighbor actually ended up killing him. I had a picture of him on the east side, and the neighbor on the west side ended up killing him, and he went 183. Okay. Um, and so there are definitely monsters around. Uh, 
but uh, sometimes they hang out on us, but sometimes they don't. Yeah. So I get I get pictures twice a year where I get I get these jaw dropping pictures, right? Where mm-hmm. it's one one occasion typically during the summer where a velvet buck just wanders onto the farm, sticks around for a day, mm-hmm. and then leaves, right? Yeah. Uh, and then another time probably during the actual hunting season, whether it's the, during the rut or in this instance, if I had to guess, this buck was displaced from his home farm during a shotgun drive Mm. and he ran, Mm. ran away. And then he came back, you know, came through, came back because it's on the same trail camera. He's going Mm, into the farm uh, on the 23rd and he's coming out of the farm on the 26th. And then that's it. Same, same exact trail, same exact camera, everything. So those kind of scenarios always get me wondering, and I'm glad I run more trail cameras than what I do now. Cause if I had something like a scenario like that during the actual mm-hmm. hunting season, it would probably make me start passing deer. I should probably be shooting <laughs> in hopes of, yeah. you know, maybe the big boy will show up today. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so let's see here today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about failure. Uh, and we talk about it. (laughs) We talk a lot about it a lot on, on this podcast. And, uh, because obviously you can learn from failure, sometimes failure you can control. And then there's sometimes, which sounds like you got a little bit of both this season, uh, Mm -hmm. failure that you can't control. Right. Mm -hmm. So what, what, made this season so rough and tough for you i think part of it well we'll get into some more specific stories later but uh i think the biggest thing that made it so rough was i was going into this season extremely cocky and confident yeah um because my my previous three seasons i felt like i was conquering the world uh in, in 2016 i shot my biggest buck uh to date in 2017, uh, it was the first year I shot two mature bucks. Uh, one of those was on film, which had been a gold mine. Uh, 2018, I also shot two mature bucks. Uh, one of them was a, an eight-year-old that uh, I had five years of history with, I think. Um, just kind of an old bully buck that had been around. Um, and so, you know, coming out of the 2018 season, I just felt, I, you know, I felt like I was becoming a true killer, can't stop me you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, and then this season came and just absolutely kicked my butt. So. Mother, Mother Nature <laughs> so stepped in and said, part. you're not as good as you think you are, buddy. It, that is exactly right. That is <laughs> Dude, exactly right. I've had a couple seasons like that too. And <laughs> it makes a guy, a grown man, it, certain times act like a child. Like, Oh, it does. I can mm-hmm. remember going on a drought one year where I was kicking like the tires on my truck. I was swearing. I was in a bad mood. I was just like, this is suck. And I was looking for other, I was actually looking for things to blame my problems on. (laughs) And I couldn't find any, which made me more upset. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So let's, uh, let's start off. Um, maybe even before the season started, did you, Mm -hmm. you know, did your, did your confidence or maybe even overconfidence, uh, in, with the results of the past couple seasons make you put in less work before the season even started compared to the previous seasons? That was definitely part of it. Um, 
there, it was kind of twofold. Uh, we have actually we also made the decision that we were going to sell um, the main property that I've been hunting on. We're trying to sell that one and for the ranching purposes. Yeah. And buy some more land that is closer to my brother's uh, okay. current place where we have most of our cows. Um, and so. I basically decided I was going to start putting more, you know, work and emphasis into those property, into that property, uh, because I, you know, in my mind, I wasn't even sure I'd be able to hunt uh, this property this year. Yeah. And so it was a combination of one, like I don't want to do all this work if we're going to sell it, but there was definitely an aspect of it. Like I've been hunting this place for years. I know, like the back of my hand, I've, you know, had so much success on it. Like I don't need to do that much work over there. And uh, that that definitely ended up being my downfall this year. So, right. Because uh, the stories I'm about to tell, they all take place over there, of course. And uh, <laughs> it, it was 100% lack of preparation, I think, that, that got me. Right. So what didn't you do? Um, I think the biggest thing was I was way too comfortable with the stands that I had in place. Okay. And normally in the off season, I'm doing a lot of maneuvering off of maybe something new that I learned, uh, you know, topography wise, uh, what I've seen, you know, running cameras, maybe, you know, the big buck was in, you know, the biggest buck I wanted to chase was in this area one year. And now, you know, I either killed him or neighbor killed him or something. So I want to move my folks to this side of the ranch or farm. And, and so I, I'm honestly not sure I moved a single setup. I did add one, I think. Um, and again, I guess I just had so much confident confidence in my current stands. I just, I just didn't really do much to improve them. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, one stand, uh, I, I, I'd killed two bucks out of in the last two years, um, and this buck that I ended up hunting this year, uh, you know, I thought for sure that I'd probably just kill him out of that stand too. Um, and so I, I didn't do much to work on it. Okay. So, so I understand that, but mm -hmm. when the season got here and you actually started hunting mm -hmm. and made that realization that, Hey man, maybe I should have moved the stands Mm -hmm. did you or moved or improved or, or did maybe a little bit mm -hmm. more scouting or, or had trail cameras or whatever. But when the season actually got there and things started to struggle, mm -hmm. did you, did you move any of the stands then? Or did you just say, I did. Oh, you did. Okay. Yep. Okay. After, uh, after the buck, I was after busted me in that tried and true stand. That's when I was like, okay, something needs to change. Okay. So yeah, walk us through that story because, um, okay. so you're, you're sitting, you're sit, you, let me, let me back up even further. Did you do any food okay. plots on that property or cause in Oklahoma you can, you can feed, right? Right. Right. Yeah. We can run feeders. Um, I did plant, uh, two big food plots that we plant every year. Um, they're more rifle spots. Um, I can hunt over them. Um, but they're really, I really more plant them for like my siblings that come up and rifle hunt to hunt over. Yeah. Um, I was, I did put a, uh, the, the stand I'm talking about, I have usually planted it, uh, as a food plot. It's just a small little, probably not even a quarter acre, more like a 10th of an acre spot. Mm -hmm. Um, and instead of planting it, I did move a feeder in there and that was honestly, I don't know if it was laziness or just didn't feel like I needed it. 
Um, but part of it was just the, you know, I think we're selling it. I don't want to put this work into it. Right. Um, and so I actually moved a free choice protein feeder uh, in there. So it wasn't on a timer. You know, they could come up and eat out of it any time. Okay. All right. So, so you decide to take it easy off season on that other property. What about uh, on on the property the that you're trying to sell? But what about the other property? Mm-hmm. Did you did you slack there too? Um, I wouldn't say I slacked. Uh, it's it's a newer property that I haven't hunted much, and <laughs> it's kind of been kicking my butt. Also, it's it's completely different terrain. Um, like I said, very open. Um, lots of timber around it, which kind of makes it difficult. Yeah. Um, and, and very hilly. Uh, like there's a, you know, like I said, I keep referring to it as the back. Uh, there's a, a draw, I call it the Canyon, but most people would laugh if they saw what I was calling a Canyon. Uh, but it's like a hundred feet elevation change from top to bottom Okay. and has lots of draws and, uh, you know, little fingers coming out of it. Um, and that's just, kind of what i've never hunted before and so i i felt like i was prepared but i at the same time i'm still kind of learning just how to hunt that type of terrain okay so the the property that you're trying to sell you kind of took it easy on you didn't move your tree stands Mm -hmm. you were you were overly confident going into it and Mm -hmm. like did your season start off start off shitty or did it just kind of progressively get shittier as the Uh, as everything kind of went on or was it just like uh, one or two big crap moments that you know allowed you to say man i had a crappy year this year um it was a little combination of everything uh so at the end of 2018 uh i killed my second buck on like january 3rd or something and uh, like I said, I was tagged out, so I kind of just left the property alone, went back later to pick up my trail cameras, and when I checked it, there was a, a buck on there that I had two or three years of history with. Uh, he was like just kind of a dinky little four-year-old. I say dinky. I mean, he was maybe 130. Yeah. Um, just nothing super special for you know what I'd been hunting, um, so I didn't really pay much attention to him. And uh, well, 2019, I start running my cameras, and this uh, mainframe nine point with a kicker on one G2 to make a total of a 10 point shows up and he looks, I mean, he looks nice. And I'm like, where did this thing come from? You know, not matching. And I finally figure out that it's that, uh, that buck that I, like I said, I had probably three years of trail camera pictures and just never really paid attention to him. And, uh, and now he's, he's 150 class, uh, as a five-year-old, uh, he put on at least 20, not a few more than that inches. Um, and, uh, that stand that, you know, I feel so confident in, uh, that's just, it just kind of worked out to where the biggest buck on the property usually ends up in that area. And sure enough, this buck, just like reading the script, he started showing up in that area. So going into it, I felt, you know, very cocky, like, oh, I got this. Cause he's just going to do the same thing these other bucks have been doing and I'm going to get him. And, uh, <laughs> that ended up not being the case. All right, so uh, walk us through that encounter to where where you got busted. Okay, so uh, it was early, and around our place, the bucks normally start shifting right around October 1st, and 
like I said, this buck, I had pictures of him up kind of in the north end of our property. And then sure enough, he shifted kind of down the southwest uh, into this creek area. And just like some bucks I'd killed years, you know, really the, the previous two years, and then another one that had done the same thing that a neighbor ended up killing, uh, started showing up at this little, uh, that feeder I was talking about, little free choice feeder. And again, I thought I, I felt like I had that, you know, area nailed. I, you know, been successful there in the past. And he starts showing up in the mornings, actually, uh, in early October, kind of going against all the, the October lull stuff you hear. Yep. Um, and so I knew from previous years I, that, you know, he bedded to the south of my stand. So I needed to hunt it with a south or a southeast wind. And I could slip in uh, through this little pasture. And I just, I felt extremely confident that I was going to get him, uh, you know, probably the first week or two of October. Um, and so I go in, I want to say like October 10th, somewhere in there, and uh, uh, sit in my stand. And probably 30 minutes after daylight, uh, off to my left, I hear a deer blow at me. And it never even dawned on me that it could be him. I was like, oh, you know, probably some does coming from the other direction or whatever. And I heard the deer run off. And but I sat it out, ended up not seeing this buck. And like I said, he'd been pretty consistent. And uh, so I climbed down, went to work. I want to say that was like a Wednesday or Thursday or something. It was a, a weekday. And Saturday rolls around, and he had been coming back in. Uh, I had a, t- a cell cam on there, so I was, you know, keeping track on him. And uh, so that Saturday, I go in, again, very confident, uh, pumped up, and the exact same thing happened. Uh, I was sitting there in my stand and kind of off to my left, uh, which was also the direction I was walking in from. Uh, I hear a deer blow and run off and never saw this buck. Uh, And so that's when I kind of figured it out that basically he had me figured out because those were two of the only days – in that whole week where he didn't show up. Um, so, so that's when I, okay, oh, go ahead. Cause I got some questions about this whole thing. Uh, okay. Keep going. Okay. Uh, I mean, that was pretty much it. I just, it kind of dawned on me right then that that had to be him yeah. and that I had hunted this stand for too many years coming in the exact same way. And that basically he must've figured that out. And I think he was just, you know, coming in the back door walking over my scent trail, walking in, and just had me figured out. Okay. So when you – so from where he was betting, was he, he was, it sounds mm-hmm. like he was just doing a big loop around mm-hmm. to scent, scent check that food source, uh, mm-hmm. that feeder. It was a feeder, right? Right. Right, to scent check that feeder before – uh, actually making his way up to it. Right. Okay. Right. So for, for people who I hear guys from Texas talk about this a lot, how mm-hmm. they, they always start off hunting over top of a feeder, but then they mm-hmm. realize that the, the bigger bucks don't go directly to the feeder, especially in daylight. And if they do, Mm -hmm. they're looping around big time before they come into it, Mm -hmm. making sure everything is, um, is, you know, legit, you know, and they're not going to get killed Mm -hmm. before they come up. Is this something that you've experienced before with other deer? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I've, I've been the first one to preach that it's super hard to hunt mature bucks over a feeder. Okay. Um, the only reason I felt confident in this particular setup 
was because, uh, like I said, I'd known of this deer for years, but I'd never even seen him. I hadn't really paid much attention to him. Um, and it was super early in the season. You know, he hadn't been pressured. Uh, you know, these were my first two sits of the year, I believe. Um, definitely first two after him. And so, and he was, he seemed so consistent on camera that I thought this might be one of the exceptions, you know, that I could sneak in there and get him. And (laughs) apparently I was way off, (laughs) way wrong. All right. So what did you do? I mean, first time buck busts you, you go about your business. Second time he busts you. And typically, like, I don't know about you, but if I'm, if I'm ever busted, it's happened a couple times. Mm-hmm. The first time the buck typically recovers from it, right? He, mm-hmm. he, he busts, he yep. busts me, he runs away. And then I might be able to get a crack at him uh, a couple days later or locate him a couple mm-hmm. days later. But if he busts me two times or I screw up two times, it, there's a possibility I don't even see that deer again. So yeah. Yeah. what what happened after that? Did he disappear for a while, or did he did he just just think? Did he gain confidence at that point, saying, "Well, I know what this guy's doing." Yeah, uh, he didn't completely disappear, but he definitely started coming less often and always at night. Okay. Um, and again, you know, at first I didn't realize it was him, so that's part of the reason I pushed in there a second time. If I would have known that it was him that busted me, I probably wouldn't have gone back in, especially so soon. Um, but you know, it, it, I, I guess it took me twice to figure out that it, it was him and seeing how he changed his pattern. That's just confirmed that, you know, it was him. Um, and so that's kind of one, uh, he was, you know, one of the nicest deer, probably the biggest deer I had on camera. And so I knew I wanted to target him. And two, I was a little mad at him at this point cause he, cause he got the best of me. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of when I'm realizing like, Hey, I didn't do my homework. You know, I'm not going to be able to just follow my old ways and get this deer killed. And now he definitely has the jump on me. Yeah. So let me ask you this then. Um, what did you do to make an adjustment? Uh, so again, I was pretty confident. I knew where he was betting, uh, just from previous history and previous bucks. Um, and so I went basically to the other side of his bedding area and set up a stand on a little wagon. We call it the wagon road. Uh, supposedly it was an old wagon road that they used to go down this ridge, uh, back in the day. And every year it is just completely lined with scrapes, uh, you know, towards the end of October. And, uh, and so I was on the South side of his bedding area now, uh, kind of Southeast and, uh, I was setting up uh, just on the edge of the pasture where this road came out, and there was also a little pond there. Um, and part of the reason I hung the stand was because uh, it was just easy to get to. Um, it was, which will come into the story later. Uh, it's probably only 150 yards off of our ranch road that goes down to the house, um, but it's kind of over a hill from the road, so it's a little bit protected. Uh, like I said, there's a little pond there, so I could use the the pond to direct the deer, you know, away from my scent. And another advantage was, uh, you know, it was a better wind for a north wind, or a better, set, better setup for a north wind, which down here, uh, you know, almost any time we have a cold front, it's going to be a north wind. Um, so getting later in the year, you know, November was coming, the rut was coming, cold weather was coming. Uh, I felt a lot more confident that if I killed him, it was going to be on a north wind day. Okay. 
So does your access route change to that stand depending on the wind location at all? Or did it at the time? Uh, It did not at the time. Um, To access it from basically any other way, I would have had to come through some very thick woods where I knew deer were bedding. Okay. And, but I, that was kind of one of the things I liked about it was that I, you know, I was very confident that there weren't any deer just bedding out in this open pasture. Um, and so that's part of the reason I liked coming from that way. Um, but the, and, uh, the stand was just on the other side of our fence. So we have the, we had those woods fenced off so the cows could never go in there. Um, and so, you know, I didn't think that the cows would be bothering the deer because it was fenced off, uh, but it was easy to get to. And like I said, I knew just from years of owning this property that there was a lot of bucks working this road because of all the scrapes. Okay. All right. So you you get busted by this buck, this particular buck, two times. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, did, you know, we're, we're, we're not here talking about a success story. So nope. <laughs> what else went wrong? I mean, first off, you, you were confident in this stand. You got busted two times on it. And mm-hmm. even after the second time, correct me if I'm wrong, but it didn't sound like you made too many adjustments. Um, I don't guess so. I mean, I moved a good 200 yards. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. This new stand is uh, about 200 yards from my other stand. Okay, so you, uh, was that stand already there, or did you put it up? Um, I had put it up a few weeks before uh, uh, because I was planning on letting my wife hunt there because there was a, an older, smaller buck that had been coming out uh, that my wife was trying to kill. Um, and so one stand was pre-hung. Uh, I actually later ended up hanging another stand about 50 yards from that stand, um, for a different wind advantage, which comes into play after my second story about this buck. Okay. All right. So you made a couple adjustments and did you, how, how much time did you give him before you started going back after him again? Uh, it was, uh, November 15th. So almost a month before I went after him again. Were you hunting other deer in the meantime? I was, uh, yeah, I was hunting other deer at my brother's place. Uh, I was definitely keeping tabs on this deer, but like I said, after after busting me twice, he just he wasn't showing up in daylight, and not very consistently, not near as consistent as other deer had, you know, in the same area. All right, so you you were trying to give this deer some time, right? Because you had a cell cam that was giving you mm-hmm. data that was telling him he was coming less and he was coming at night. Okay, so November fifth right. November fifteenth comes around, and what happens? Mm-hmm. So I uh, I had moved my cell cam over to this stand and started getting some pictures of them uh, after uh, after dark, and then uh, I think it was like a Wednesday I got a picture of them basically right at dark, and then the next day Thursday I got a picture of them about five minutes before, and so in my head I was like man I would love to hunt Friday but you know just with work and stuff didn't think I was going to get to do it, and so I was banking on Saturday. Um, but there was a big cold front running through Friday, so I, I knew I'd have a good shot at him if I could hunt Friday. I just didn't think I was going to be able to. Um, and so Friday rolls around, and my dad's up here, and him and my brother and I are working. And uh, just randomly, out of nowhere, without me saying anything, 
at about three o'clock, my dad looks at me and goes, well, you going to go hunting? And I was like, I, I mean, I guess like if I can. <laughs> and he was like, you know, he's like, we don't have much going on. Like, if you want to go, go for it. And so I look at my clock and, or my watch and do a little math in my head. Cause I was over at my brother's place. And again, this buck is at the, our other property, which is 45 minutes away. And so I was like, all right, I'm gone. So I jump in my truck, run by my house. I didn't even take a normal shower, much less a scent-free shower. Uh, grab my bow. Uh, I have an Ozonics unit I normally hunt with, but I hadn't charged the battery because I wasn't planning on hunting until the next day. Uh, so I basically just run into my house, throw some camo on, grab my bow, uh, drive out to the property, run and jump in the stand. And I get in the stand with an hour left of daylight. Um, and I'm, I'm huffing and puffing. I'm half sweaty. Again, hadn't even showered from work. And I'm like, there's a very small chance that I get this done, but I'm confident he's going to be here. So I'm in the stand, and the stand is in a huge oak tree, probably a close to three-foot diameter oak tree. And I'm sitting there, and the sun's starting to go down. And I look at my clock, and there's about 10 minutes left uh, till dark, and I hadn't seen anything. And so just kind of a, a, a Hail Mary, I pull out my grunt tube and do a few blind grunts. And a couple minutes later, I hear a noise that sounds like a buck uh, rubbing his antlers on a tree. And again, this is November 15th, uh, which down here, you know, our rut is a little bit later than uh, y'all's rut up in the northwest. So they're really just kind of in their pre-rut, you know, about this time, and uh, which is probably why he was starting to show up closer to daylight. Um, And so I look at my clock, and there's like seven minutes till dark. Uh, So I throw out one or two more grunts. And, and uh, this noise is coming from behind me, and uh, all of a sudden I see a big deer body come out of the woods uh, just on the edge. And I, I see that it's a big body deer, but it's dark enough that I can't get a good look at his rack. Um, and so I kind of duck behind the tree because uh, he's behind my tree. I duck behind it and throw out one more grunt, and I use the tree to kind of muffle it. And uh, And he throws his head up and looks at me, and I can see the – the height of his antlers like i said he's, he's pretty tall and i was like man that's him and sure enough he turns and starts walking he's so he's kind of in an alley between the trees and the fence i was talking about there's about a 10 yard gap there and he's just coming straight at me and my heart immediately starts pumping and i grab my bow and it's perfect because i can hide behind the tree i'm turned around in my stand and uh I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to figure out if he's going to come to the left of the tree or the right of the tree. I got my release on, and my heart is thumping. I'm like, man, I can't believe this is working, and I'm calling this deer in. And uh, he gets to about probably 50 yards, and directly behind this deer, I see headlights. Oh, boy. And my dad had finished up working at my brother's house, and uh, his house is over on this property. And I'm just like trying to send him mental signals, you know, through my mind to stop. <laughs> and obviously that doesn't work. And so he keeps coming. And uh, probably, like I said, the road comes within about 150 yards of the stand. And just before that, there's a cattle guard separating pastures. And he hits that cattle guard and, you know, rings that metal. And this buck, he actually didn't run into the woods, which I was surprised. Uh, he jumped the fence and circled around basically circled around me out into the pasture um about 50 yards out 
and you know I can see him clear as day now. I know it's him. And I'm, again, I'm like watching my dad's truck drive behind him, and he's looking at the truck and he's looking my direction because he still thinks there's a buck there. And, uh, and you know I'm still hopeful, and I'm trying to decide if I should run again or if he's already spooked. And uh, he starts walking towards the trees, and so I throw out one one little hail mary grunt. And he doesn't even look at me and just mark jumps the fence and is off into the trees. And I never saw him again. <laughs> did you try to call your dad while he's driving? I would have, I, I would have, I would have tried to was, pull the oh, cell phone out. I was, I was trying not to be mad. Uh, I did, I did go up to the house and let him know what he had done. <laughs> uh, but, I, but I didn't yell at him. Uh, you know, I love my dad. He had no way to know. Uh, he actually told me that he almost texted me uh, and asked, like, if it, you know, like, if he needed to wait till dark or not. Um, but you know, there was nothing, no way he could have known. Nothing I could have done. You know, with that situation with him so close, it's not like I could pull out my phone and call him and tell him to stop. Oh man, that's uh, crazy. So yeah, so I had him within fifty yards, and, but no shot, and. Uh, uh, I did kind of have another chance at him, but, uh, that was actually the last time I ever saw him. So, okay. So the last, the last time you ever saw him, he ends up, uh, your dad ends up scaring him. Uh, what mm -hmm. did, what did he do after that? Did, was he nocturnal or did he just disappear or what happened? Uh, he didn't change much. Cause again, like, you know, I never, I never actually spooked him. So he didn't know I was there. Um, uh, I actually kind of got a little bit lucky because there was a chance he could have got my scent if he would have come the wrong direction. Uh, but my dad actually scared him through my scent. Um, and so, you know, I don't think he had any, any idea that I was there. Um, and so, but it was rut time. And so I got a few pictures of him, but they were very sporadic, you know, definitely no pattern or anything like that. Um, and he did come, well, I wouldn't say he became less, uh, or showed up less, but he definitely didn't start showing up more. You know, I'd, I'd get maybe one or two pictures of him a week, something like that. Right. So he was, he was in like you, your property was in his loop, but not a lot definitely. of his loop. Okay. All right. So. Yeah. I think he definitely went onto our neighbors. Some, I think he was mostly on our property. Um, I was just, I was scared of getting too aggressive and going in too much. You know, yeah. So after that, after that, uh, third, I guess, uh, third try when he hear, you know, he came in, your dad spooked him. Um, did, what was your mentality after that? I mean, did you try to continue to go after him or were you just like, I'm mm -hmm. just going to monitor the trail cameras? Uh, I definitely still went after him. Um, that I guess it was the next week uh rifle season came in and um a buddy of mine from college i went to to college in idaho um and a buddy that i made up there we have a deal one year i go up there and go elk hunting with him and the next year he comes down and goes deer hunting with me and it was his year to come down um and so i was actually hoping to, to catch him I, at this point i was so angry and mad at him i would have shot him with a rifle um but I didn't get to rifle hunt too much because uh, he, he came and brought his dad uh, and one other gentleman, actually. Um, and so most of uh, uh, my good rifle hunting, and which also falls in with the rut pretty well, like the first week of rifle season is 
usually pretty prime rut time. Um, I didn't get to hunt much. I actually thought my buddy killed him. He texted me all excited saying he shot this giant five by five. And I was like, Oh man, he got him. And, uh, turns out he was just excited and actually shot a very young, like two year old, four by four, eight point, <laughs> which was, which made it worth it. Cause I got to give him a very hard time. Uh, what was even funnier about it was we were trying to teach his dad and the other guy, like kind of what to look for or not. And uh, we actually used that buck as an example of what not to shoot, and that's the one he killed. <laughs> uh, that's so that uh, pretty funny. That's funny. Mm-hmm. I'd hate to be that guy for you know for oh, a yeah. moment. Oh man, just to pick oh, yeah. on him. But you know, I'm sure everybody yeah. has fun. Um, oh yeah. So what's the story now? I mean, is that those? You know, you get busted, you don't move. You got busted, you 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 moved. He come up. And so this is an example of, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to say like, I, I, I was hoping you were going to do something that made me call you lazy, but I I don't think that, (laughs) I I don't think you did anything like necessarily wrong. I mean, if a a deer blows at you and Mm -hmm. you, you don't necessarily move. I don't think, and you didn't know it was him. I mean, if, if that first encounter you knew it, like you saw him and you, uh, you saw him blow at you and run away, Mm -hmm. would you have moved that first time? I I think so. Yeah. Um, I either would have moved or I definitely wouldn't have gotten hunted it, you know, three days later. Um, uh, one interesting thing about our property is it sets up extremely well for late season. Okay. Um, out of my last four bucks, two of them have been in January and one of them in December. Um, and so, and that kind of somewhat plays into this deer. Like, you know, after, uh, my dad scared him off, you know, I was upset, but I, I was still very confident that I would get another shot at him just because our place hunts so well right. late season. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't feel like I was lazy. Um, I guess I might've been, but, uh, but, uh, you know, that one, I, I felt like I, I felt like I had him, you know, I, I was in the right spot. I was there the right time. Uh, I called him in, you know, he was coming in. It just was a matter of, you know, he, he, <laughs> it was a matter of my dad showing up three minutes later and letting him come into range. Right. So, so how did the rest of the season play out for you? I mean, did you get an attempt at any other deer or were you holding out specifically for that buck? Um, I, I got, uh, close to, uh, getting deer over at my brother's house. Um, uh, I actually had to leave a little early one day, um, and spooked a buck that was headed my direction, a nice 10 point. Um, and then, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, has a lease in West Texas. Um, and so he let me come out there and shoot a, a management buck with my rifle for him. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't anything special, but it, it did give me some relief, you know, for somebody who, you know, I'd like, I said, you know, hunting is a big part of my life and I, I do put a lot of pressure on myself to get, you know, to get a buck every year. Um, so even though it wasn't a huge buck, it was just nice to have some meat in the freezer and, you know, a small rack for the wall. Um, uh, and, but like I said, I was still very confident that I could probably kill this deer at the end of December or January. 
Um, and so that stand where I'd had the close encounter, I actually moved a feeder in, not like at the end of that trail, but kind of out in the pasture, hoping to draw him out of that trail and kind of get him uh, get him on his way to that food. And that's when I, I hung a different stand um, just to have a little bit better wind if he came out of that trail. Um, and then he started showing up um, at a different feeder, uh, kind of down the ridge a little ways, probably 600 yards. Okay. Um, but he just, he would not, he would not pattern. I don't know. I don't think he was patterning me because I wasn't really hunting him. I was more just searching for him. Um, I was using the cell cam, so I wasn't, you know, going in there all the time. Uh, but he just, you know, he'd show up at the one place one day and then I wouldn't see him for three days and then he'd show up at the other place. Um, a lot of it was at night. Um, and I just, I just could not find him. I was putting, you know, I tried to put a camera in between the two places, uh, and never got a single picture of him on that, which I was pretty surprised. I don't know how he was moving north and south between those two places. Um, but I think he just, you know, he had been on this property his whole life. Like I said, I mean, he was a six-year-old deer, uh, or five-year-old, five-year-old deer, I think, five or six. Um, I think he was just smart. I mean, he just was handing it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so even that late I, season move just didn't amount to much because he was, it sounds like he was starting to get weary at that point. Yeah. And he did, uh, he did make me mad one last time. Uh, he started coming a little bit more consistently, uh, to that, uh, stand at the end of the trail. He was, I would say he would come like maybe every three days. Um, and so, uh, I think starting the, the season ended uh, January 10th, which was a Wednesday, and I think I hunted the evenings of Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and never saw him. And then the very last day of the season, that Wednesday, uh, there was an event, an event going on at church that my wife wanted me to go to, and I didn't have much bargaining power because I, had, you know, spent the last four evenings in a row hunting this deer, and so I. Uh, agreed to go to it with her and i was sitting in the parking lot of our church about 10 minutes before dark and my phone buzzed and there he was in daylight last days of the season and i wasn't there uh that's hilarious i'm sorry for laughing but uh (laughs) now i can laugh about it i wasn't laughing at the time i I probably would have got punched i I probably would have got punched if i was laughing uh on that (laughs) day yep it's yep. it's funny you say that because I have the the last man I'm trying to think the last 3 or 4 years or something like that I have had the um uh on Halloween when mm-hmm. I would love to be in the timber but I'm mm-hmm. taking my kids trick or treating I have had mm-hmm. a uh, a day walker a big mature buck in daylight near one of my tree stands or walking directly by one of my tree stands uh, on mm-hmm. October 31st, like the last four years. Yep. yep. So I, I, uh, I kind of feel I your pain very, there. I don't have kids yet, but I am, I am dreading that. that <laughs> what did, uh, did you, did you have to throw any shade on your wife at all and say, Hey, Hey, you know, like, I I could tonight, (laughs) tonight would have been the night, but here I had to, I had to do this. 
No, no, I decided not to. I uh, I figured that wasn't uh, going to help. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have. It wouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, this is one of those years where I'm not going to necessarily say you made a lot of mistakes if I, you know, mm-hmm. but it's just one of those things where, oh, shit, kind of happens, you know, like yeah. I've mm-hmm. definitely had those years where I felt like I made a lot of the right decisions, but then they're, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, I'm trying to think of what year it was when I, for, I want to say one year I watched this or two, there's two days in a row I watched a 180 inch 12 pointer walk out mm-hmm. of this thicket. And I made the move on him, and I'm I'm in shooting lane of one of his uh, one of his uh, uh, that trail that he walked through two days in a row, and mm-hmm. it's he this buck came through early in the afternoon. I want to say like three o'clock uh, in the afternoon. It was it was probably the second week in November, and I'm he comes out and dude the I, I make a move on him and. Guess who? Guess who shows up? The other hunter on the property, on a four <laughs> on a four wheeler, drives right in front of me, uh, down on on there, and uh, you know, like all these all these things go, all these things go wrong. He parks his four wheeler right in the middle of the field, and then he walks to his tree stand in this little wood thicket. And <laughs> I didn't see another deer the rest of the day. And uh, I tried to talk to him about. It. I said, "Hey, man." did you see my truck over there? He's like, yeah, I drove right by it. I'm like, so that means I'm hunting down here. And his response to me was, I've been hunting here 29 years. Like he was an old, like an older guy. And I'm just like, I, I, I don't even know what to say. It's like, but you know, whatever. So I just learned to mm-hmm. avoid that guy. So, yep. uh, yeah, I think some... it was, uh, I think it was just my turn for a, a kick in the pants. Yeah. You know? I've been too, too fortunate the last couple of years. Like I said, I've, I've killed five bucks in three years. Uh, the youngest one was a four and a half year old. I think there was a five year old, a six year old, uh, and an eight year old. So, um, you know, I think I just got too confident and, uh, the world needed to knock me down a few pegs. So what did this season teach you or do you have any takeaways of things that you might be doing different or an attitude adjustment or something for this upcoming season? Yeah, I think my biggest one is uh, you always got to be prepared because you never know what's going to happen. You know, our, like that place is officially for sale now. Um, But, you know, with the, the COVID stuff and the stock market and everything, you know, we haven't had a lot of interest in it. Um, and so even though it's for sale, uh, this year, I'm not going to make the same mistake and I'm still going to be over there out in the Texas or Oklahoma sun, uh, you know, grinding away, um, because you never know what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, over at my brother's place, I've still been doing a lot of work. We put in a, a nice four and a half acre food plot this spring that I'm real excited about. Um, and so, yeah. But also at the same time, you know, don't give up on these deer. Like I said, you know, if I would have been in the stand that last day of the season, I probably would have got him. And yeah. so uh, keep working and don't give up till uh, till the season's over. Yeah. So what about um, this this cell cam pick? The last mm-hmm. day of the season, he's, <laughs> he's still alive. 
Now, mm-hmm. how much of that has been sticking in your head for this upcoming season, whether you have access to that property or not, do mm-hmm. you think that this buck is still around? I think so. Um, like I said, so I, I went back through, you know, after I figured out that this was the deer I thought it was, uh, I went back through and I mean, I think he had been on our property for three years. Uh, he just, he was normally there early and he was normally there late. He wasn't there during the season. And I think, you know, just, I had killed the dominant buck on that side of the, the ranch and he stepped up and just took it over. And so I think he'll definitely be back. Uh, I'm excited to uh, get another crack at him if possible. Uh, I think it's going to make a pretty epic story if I if I can get on him. Um, and I have definitely been drawing out the changes. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot of stand moving, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm going to be putting some serious effort into him uh, if I can. So. Well, are you are you doing anything to sabotage the sale of that ground so you can hunt that deer? <laughs> Not yet, because uh, we have some other ground already picked out that, you know, if we can sell that place, we're going to buy. And uh, believe it or not, I'm actually more excited for it. Uh, okay. And so, uh, yeah, I think if we can get that done, that my deer hunting is going to actually take another step up. Oh, that's uh, awesome, man. So, well, the cool yeah, thing about I'm, this is right now, um, you, I can tell all the listeners that if you want to buy – yeah acres in you know some ground in oklahoma that already has good yeah. deer on it you need to get a hold yep. of this guy yeah uh look me up on instagram deer dreaming uh is my handle deer dreaming like daydreaming yep. and uh, send me a message if you need some oklahoma land there so you go we'll, we'll hook you up there you mm-hmm. go all right man well john i really appreciate you taking time out of your day to tell this story and uh hopefully you have better luck this upcoming season I appreciate it, and I I hope some people can either relate and feel better about themselves or hopefully learn from it and uh, improve their chances in the future. Huge shout-out to John, man. Thanks for taking time out of your day to hop on and chat with us. Huge shout-out to each and every one of you, man. I mean that from the bottom of my heart, and uh, I I don't really know what to say, man. Uh, Thank you for helping me get to the position that I'm in because – it wasn't for you i wouldn't be talking in this microphone right now man so uh kudos 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 huge shout out and this is important to me because these companies have taken a risk on me they are giving me their money to promote their products and it, luckily it's products that i love all right ozonics wasp lone wolf the average conservationist in vortex optics not to mention our interstate batteries friends and our savage arms friends and our federal premium friends right uh, on the network level but uh, huge shout out to all those companies man please go out support the companies that uh, support this podcast and this network and then when you do tell them that you heard about them on the sportsman's nation or the nine finger chronicles podcast let them know where you heard heard it at and uh yeah man I hope everybody is enjoying themselves, man. And and it's crazy out there right now. It is absolutely crazy out there right now. And I just think that when you can love more and hate less and just be kind to other humans, man, when you send good vibes out into the universe, you're going to get good vibes back, man. And I know that sounds a little hippie, but... 
you know, I'm not an ultra religious guy, but one thing that I really do take to heart is treat your neighbor like you want to be treated, you know, the golden rule. And, uh, man, it should be, it, it should be way easier than it is, man. It should be. But uh, take care. I, I, I'll say this. I love each and every one of you guys. I wish you guys nothing but the best. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>